You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. Everyone, I'm Rob Escrow of the Viral Volley Podcast, and there's yet another exciting week in Division One, Two Men's Collegiate Volleyball. I've got Dan Friend of Lewis, Jay Hosick of George Mason, Dave Hunt of Pepperdine, and representing the Big West after an absent Big West member last week, got Rick McLaughlin of the UCSB Gauchos. Uh, thanks for coming on this week, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us, Rob. Hey, as always. Yep. Well, it was a big week of conference tournament action, and let's we're going to run down through all the conferences. I'll start by the Conference Carolinas because they finished first uh, by, you know, basically getting Belmont Abbey the first berth into the NCAA tournament with their win over, it was kind of an upset, Mount Olive, who was the first in the Conference Carolinas with the, I believe, 11-2 record, came into the conference tournament. Andrew Kohut, 21 kills, hit 351. Three block assists, 10 digs. Matteo Miscelli, Jay's favorite Italian, chipped in 20 kills. And the six-foot center, Brennan Davis, 57 assists. So right there is a birth number one. They'll be taking on Penn State. And uh, if you're watching the earlier episode 100 of the Viral Volley Podcast, College Volleyball Weekly, I had Pav on, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So we're going to jump to the easternmost conference, which is uh, the man of controversy of chaos that would be jay hosick of george mason in the eiva talk about what happened in the conference tournament and any of the matches that that occurred during the week that were really the uh eye-catching ones yeah you know the eiva conference uh obviously is the first conference um uh usually of the day on super saturday when everybody's having their conference tournaments and it kind of kicks off the whole show and you know for 31 years, Penn State's been running that table. And then the last five years or so, you know, there's been a handful of other teams that have won that tournament. And so it's it's been since 2017 since Penn State has won that tournament. So we went into the semis. Uh, you know, NJIT had our number both times we saw this year. And unfortunately, we didn't get to play them four times uh, like everybody else in the conference. But, you know, we went into that semi. Uh, with a good game plan and executed it like we were supposed to. We ended up with a 3-0 win against a really good NJI team uh, and ended up with a spot in the finals against Penn State. And, and Penn State, you know, they, they played St. Francis. And, and you know, St. Francis, last time I checked, Michael Fisher had 4,387 attempts on the season. Uh, he is now sponsored by Ben Gay for sure for life uh, and is going to ride off into the sunset with a sore shoulder. But you know, St. Francis gave them all they got. They just didn't have enough in the tank. And so it was us against Penn State in the finals. It was a match for the ages. You know, we beat Penn State the last time we saw them in five at our place, and we felt really good about what we had to do. I don't think we game-planned against a duo, though, like Fisher and Wildman. Uh, I think it's the first time in history that an indoor six-man team played a two-man beach team uh, and lost, uh, unfortunately. The reality was Wildman and Fishman or Fisher were a absolute handful to deal with. Let me let me give you just a couple of numbers just to throw it in perspective. So we went four uh, with them, and then third game we ended up winning 32-30. We had five attempts, uh, or they had five attempts to end in three, and we we denied them and ended up winning the set, which I thought was pretty cool for my guys. And you know they just had a lot of heart and never said die. So I got to be really really stoked on them for that. But let me just put it in perspective. Fisher had 50 attempts, 
Okay, and that's now that's not crazy. It's a four-game match, so it's a little crazy, but he had 50 attempts. Wildman had 48 attempts. That's not crazy, but it's a four-game match. The next highest attempts, 10. Okay, so when you take into consideration all of the swings for the match, Wildman and Fisher had 90% of all of those stats. And they put on a demonstration. And my guys, we knew what we were going up against. It wasn't like we didn't know that, that one of those two were getting the ball, uh, but they just were unstoppable. I've never seen uh, a display of athleticism and sheer just dominating uh, like I saw those two guys do. It was a really masterful match to watch by those guys. And Cole Bogner obviously was dishing a rock. You know, we thought, when we saw them in game three, that, that we, we had some opportunities and we get into game four and this is re really for me, I think the story of the match, Wildman started to cramp up and you could see him in between points early in the set, start to stretch his calf and start to stretch his shoulders out a little bit. And we got about maybe a little bit after 10 points into the set and I pulled the timeout and I, I pulled my guys in. And I said, look, uh, Wildman's starting to cramp up. And if we can extend this game to or this match to five, I don't know if he can hang on for much longer. Uh, he might be done after four. He might have to pull himself off the court. And sure enough, we kept extending it, kept extending it. And we got to a point where he was not able to jump. He was not able to, he couldn't even jump serve anymore. He was float serving. Um, you know, he unfortunately had a block against one of my guys. Uh, but I think my guy tried to play Kianes Mas Macho and it just unfortunately didn't go his way. But, you know, they ended up winning the match. We had a couple of unforced errors at the wrong times uh, late in the game, and they ended up winning the match. And, and by all means, Penn State deserved it. They're a great team, well-coached, obviously got a good amount of guys in that team that know how to play. But that was the gutsiest performance I've seen in a long time by a guy who just refused to go down and was not going to be denied the chance to be able to finish out that set and that match with his team on the court. And so I got to give my hats off to them. A class act, top to bottom. Uh, Penn State throws a great tournament. Uh, and, you know, hey, we'll get another chance next year. I'm just happy. My guys never had a positive COVID test all year long. Told my guys that we can just hang on to the end of the year. You know, teams that maybe uh, have some issues, they're not going to have a chance later on the race. And so I was just real proud that my guys can get there to the end. Uh, and my hat's off to Penn State. We'll be now their biggest fans moving forward. Yeah. Just so you guys know, Cal Fisher, 27 kills, hit 440, had an ace. 28.5 points. Brent Wildman, 22 kills, hit 333, four aces, three block assists. And Thanks for reminding me about that, Rob. I, I appreciate hey, that. Hey, on you after the That's all I got to say. Uh, hey, uh, other non-EIVA conference coaches, do you have anything to add to what uh, was happening in EIVA this last week in the tournament? No, well, I actually went back. I've already watched the match. Um, and, and Jay's right. There were some knockout, drag out rallies with those guys back and forth. And there were a couple of times where I thought Jay's entire team was on the court uh, during one point because they were celebrating so great, which was awesome to see. Do you know what I mean? Back and forth. But yeah, I think like he said, those two guys were pretty, pretty fun to watch in that match. Um, you know, in terms of that and Jay, they had some bright spots. They had some guys, the libero dug some great balls and there were some extended rallies. And I don't know, it was, it was a one of those fun matches to watch. It was kind of like, we'll talk about it here, but it's kind of like watching Santa Barbara and San Diego. There were some exciting points to watch in that match, which were really cool. And so kind of type of volleyball you want to see at the end of the year for a, for a conference championship. And so hats off to Jay and his guys and Pav as well in terms of that match, but it was fun to watch.
Yeah, Jack Reese, uh, 15 kills, hit 619 for the match. Uh, not a bad performance for him. Anything else add, uh, Rick or Dave, on the uh, GMU-Penn State matchup? Oh, Jay did a great job. What's that, Rick? Yeah, I, I wish I had, I had a chance to watch. Well, Jay's, uh, Jay's going up against the uh, former master. It was the apprentice events master matchup. So, you know, unfortunately, the master got the better end of the deal on that one. Unfortunately, I could not snatch the pebble out of master's hand. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to the MIVA, which is Dan Friends Lewis University's conference. Uh, talk about your journey through the conference tournament and how you guys are uh, playing. Well, I think we're I think we're playing pretty well. I think uh, from the opening statement of game one, our guys came out and really I think we we're up five one or six one just to start the match and really took control uh, from the defensive side. So proud of the guys. Uh, in terms of that, I think we ended up blocking nine balls and keeping them to hitting one something or 130 or somewhere around that for the match. So uh, I was really excited about the one thing that's nice about playing one game a week is the amount of prep time that I get from the defensive side to go into a match, uh, which is not happening next week. I can tell you that. Um, but uh, I think our guys and being older, they were really to take that information and use it pretty well. Uh, and I was really excited about how they applied that uh, just from the beginning and all the way to the end, but shout out to TJ Murray, nine <laughs> kills hit seven fifty or something like that. Uh, but yeah, Coonan was MVP and uh, rightfully so uh, again, hit three fifty lettuce and kills. And uh, in terms of that stuff, and he's just had a pretty impressive run this year for us. And uh, but yeah, Proud of the guys and proud of how we went. Uh, certainly Loyola's got some young talent on the pins and Cole Schaffauer and, uh, and you know, Zolig's going to run a great show for them. And I think those guys are a talented group uh, and they return everybody next year. So they're going to be really good in that sense from that standpoint. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Other coaches, anything to add on the MIVA conference tournament? Yeah. Talk about a hot knife through butter. Uh, that was uh, – that was a display, at least the score standing wise, uh, that was quite a display by, by Dan and his boys, you know, playing at, at the Lewis gym, it's a, it's a, it, and, and with all due respect in comparison to others, it's a shoebox of a gym, but man, what a great atmosphere on the inside, great energy. The fans are really there on top of you. It's, it's, it's loud, um, you know, and, and people come in there and if you're not paying attention and you start to look around and go, man, this place is tiny. And all of a sudden they're hammering you. You know, and Coonan's having a night. And next thing you know, T.J. Murray's having his night. And, uh, you know, Tyler Mitchum actually didn't have a fantastic night, but didn't need him. Uh, that was that was actually irrelevant. I think the two things that stood out for me were Schlott. Schlotthauer hit 115 and Denton hit 050. I think that's your two horses that we talked about with Loyola, that if they were not having a good night, it was going to be a long night for Loyola. And sure enough, that was the case. Anything else, uh, Dave or Rick? Yeah, Dan's playoff it. took well. Dan's playoff took three freaking weeks, where everyone else played it in three days. So, yeah. <laughs> Rick, were you saying something there? It got a washed out there. Yeah, right? I, I also didn't get to see that or Dave's match. <laughs> I had tunnel vision, my own match. <laughs> That's commitment right there. <laughs> hey, Rob, who brought this guy? Does he even know what he's talking about? It's all right. Not it's the big news in the Big West Conference tournament. That's one that exists in my eyes only. <laughs> Let's jump over to uh, the MPSF. 
David Hunt's tournament. I'm pretty sure he became a pretty huge Lewis and Penn State fan. But uh, yeah, I, let's let him talk yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, un unlike uh, Rick, I was busy following those other matches because I needed <laughs> a lot of stuff to happen uh, after we lost, including staying up till 2 a.m. watching Rick's team play. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we our conference tournament took place similar to the Big West, three days. Um, it started off with us playing Stanford in what's possibly their last match as a program. Hopefully not. It seems like there's some movement uh, going on today that could probably be or hopefully be in the right direction. But um, talk about one of the more bizarre matches that we've ever played. I mean, first off, Will Rotman goes off and has 25 kills on 40 something swings and four sets playing as an opposite, uh, which was impressive. And then after the match, just the outpouring of emotion that took place in, you know, programs potentially uh, last match. So that was a little bit uh, gut-wrenching to, to be a part of that. And then before us was Concordia and UCLA. And Concordia has, uh, has a swing to go up 2-1 on UCLA. And UCLA gets a, a dig off, a lucky dig off their, uh, somebody's foot in area six. They're able to chase it down and win that point. And, um, so they escaped, I think, uh, in four as well. And then we played UCLA in one of the semifinals. Uh, there wasn't much defense going on. I think both teams hit over 400, uh, but we ended up winning in three and then BYU uh, beat GCU in three that night. So uh, we matched up with BYU for the fifth time this year. And unfortunately we are 0-5 now against BYU. Um, and they just, they had too much firepower for us at home. We, uh, it was 23-25 in the first, but I think that was all we had uh playing our third emotional night uh in a row so byu is then psf champ and uh got the odd mag bid and then we became uh we always are huge gaucho fans but uh real big gaucho fans after that we'll end up playing so, each other which is funny yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean I, I talked to rick today you know we're only 60 miles apart but we get to go play each other in columbus ohio we couldn't play each other this year but we can go play each other in columbus so um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was, I was up watching. I, I decided I was going to go to bed and, you know, just, it was all out of my control as my fiance said, you know, there was nothing I could do to control it. And then all of a sudden I checked the score and it was close in game one. And then that was it. And I flipped on the, the uh, video and I stayed up till 2 a.m. <laughs> and then, yeah, Rick, I'm telling you, I already told you today, my, you know, as soon as that call, there was a call in set two that I thought was questionable. And all of a sudden, you know, my blood pressure spiked. Call in. It Bravo? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> crucial call in Rick's match. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my blood pressure shot up. How is that four touches? That's not four. You know, I'm yelling at our assistant. That's not four touches. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> and yeah. So, but it all worked out. We we ended up, yeah, it worked out for us. And yeah, now we get to play Rick's team in, in Columbus, which is going to be fun. All right, uh, non-MPSF coaches, any thoughts on the action in the MPSF? I, so what I didn't get to watch, I didn't get to watch that uh, that match. I got to watch the semifinals a little bit, but uh, I might go back and watch it on only metrics. Uh, I just want to see it. But it looked like BYU, just from a statistical standpoint, Felipe was hitting 800, and uh, even Eschenberg was, was pretty darn good. And so, uh, so on the stat piece, it certainly looks like 
there was an offensive juggernaut in BYU with a few of their pieces for sure. Uh, in terms of yeah, they they started out at a hundred percent and hit nine hundred in game two. Yeah, that would have been cool if it wasn't against the waves. I'll tell you that much. But unfortunately, we were on the other side. Dave, I, th- I thought your team day was like all about blocking, passing, defense. What happened there? Yeah, we didn't stop much of anybody in in Provo. But yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's we, listen. Every every team has you know a match like that or a game like that, and and everyone's seen it on both sides of the net. I think I think what stands out to me is that you know Pepperdine's not exactly the biggest team in the in the in the gym. You know, they're playing against guys that are trees. They got a couple of trees of their own. Don't get me wrong, but got, man, yeah, that's BYU. We, we, yeah, we, we talked about it early in the year. It's home advantage, home court advantage during the playoffs is a huge deal. You know, and Santa Barbara, luckily, you know, faced up against a team that, uh, that, that was not a home court team. And, I, and I'm not saying it would have been any different. I'm just saying, would it have been a different story if San Diego was at home? Uh, instead of in Hawaii uh, and having to play all those matches in a row. I mean, that's, we're going to talk about it later on about how many matches and how many days, but that's, you know, that's, that's pretty cool for the guys that are home court to be able to hold court and, and, and hoist those trophies afterwards for sure. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Big West conference. And to me, no offense, you guys had great conference matches, but staying up till two, three in the morning, every night, Pacific time, always a pleasure when you got small kids. And uh, but they were exciting matches to watch. We're going to start off with the quarterfinal matches. Uh, Long Beach State versus number six, UC Irvine. Sweet by Long Beach State. But, um, you know, Rick, I want to definitely have you chime in here because you were there firsthand observing the matches. They kept showing you up in the stands on the uh, web screen. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to scout um, that. That match was not as close as I thought it would be. I thought Irvine was going to play a, a lot tougher. Uh, Long Beach came out on fire right out of the gate and they played well. Um, and with, with Irvine, you, you never know. Dave's got so much talent, but they're just young guys. So sometimes they're hot, sometimes they're not. And they had apparently already been there for, I don't know, eight days. So um, yeah, I, I think it was a tough trip for Irvine, but uh, Dave's that, that team's going to be really good down the road. Yeah. Well, how about the uh, uh, UCSD CSUN match? Because I mean, one of the things that stuck out for me was although Northridge lost, Daniel Wetter, their middle, had zero errors, 18 kills, hit 567 as a middle. Yep. He, he's, he's legit. That guy can, can uh, score offensively anytime. You can commit on him. You can put two guys on him. He can still put the ball away. Um, so uh, I thought that match would be really close too. Uh, but I'll tell you, Kevin had his team playing phenomenal in that tournament and uh that uh san diego just kind of controlled it controlled that match the whole time yeah yeah let's move on to the semis uh the first one your match against long beach state seems like long beach state jumped out of the gate jumped on you guys but that's probably the worst thing for your team because they came out and beat them right back yeah, uh, so you never know what's going to happen in those situations. You don't like it as a coach when your team comes out flat and you get absolutely hammered in the first game. They uh, killed us in the first game. Um, I think if we didn't have the seniors we have, we would have gone down real fast. But uh, our seniors, we've, we've done that a few times this year, and uh, I was worried, no doubt about it, but I, I knew they could can, could kind of get it together, and they did. It took them a little while, but they got it going, and – it seemed to gain momentum as it went. Yeah. 
Well, for Long Beach State, bright spot is Spencer Olivier really came out and really shone this weekend because he had double-digit kills. I think he'd be over 20 or 18 kills on both nights, hitting well over 400. So bright, bright future for the outside from Long Beach State. But the other match of the night that kind of grabbed the attention of the nation was Hawaii versus the four seed UC San Diego. I'll have you talk about it because I'm sure that you were just in shock of what was happening. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting uh, you know roller coaster of emotions. I wasn't sure who I wanted to win for a long time uh, because we just beat Long Beach and we kind of think we're in, uh, and then all of a sudden San Diego's starting to beat up on Hawaii, and uh, Hawaii didn't play the the greatest volleyball. That you know I know they they can play at a much higher level, but San Diego had a lot to do with that. They played incredible volleyball. That team can block probably as good as any team I've seen in the country. Um, their middle blockers read and they move very well. So if you don't pass well against them, you're in some trouble. And that was really the case. Hawaii didn't pass the ball great. Um, and the guys that usually get them out of that trouble, uh, Rado, he had an off night for some reason. He just uh, was struggling with their block. So it got really tight. I, I kept charting Hawaii because I thought we were gonna play Hawaii. <laughs> And I didn't do anything on San Diego. Um, and I paid for that the rest of the night because I stayed up to in San Diego. But uh, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a really exciting match. Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, the athletes for San Diego that really caught my eye, really giving uh, Kyle McCauley support was Ryan Kaw. He came up big in the fifth set and they just could not stop him. He was hitting all over the place, off of the block, through the block. Uh, what was... Were they, were they just leaving him ignored or what was happening in that match? Uh, I don't think they were ignoring him. He was putting away a lot of high balls, a lot of balls in transition that that guy can get up and he can hit a really high ball over your block. If he, everything's right. And uh, he's getting better and better at that. He's, he's starting to figure it out. And that guy is, he's dangerous. Um, he didn't have as good a night the next night, thank God, but he played phenomenal against Hawaii. Well, it's a great transition into that Big West final for, that at, or for the automatic berth. Uh, talk about what happened that evening uh, with your team winning out 3-1, but uh, who are some of the key performers for the Gauchos? Uh, well, once again, we didn't start out too well, which wasn't great. Um, and we put Dave through the ringer as well as myself. It's I'm because kidding. you weren't watching the other conference matches. That's why. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that we got it going again in the second game, but uh, I'll tell you that uh, the guy McCauley is a player. That guy, uh, he's got everything, a serve that never stops. It's really consistent. Um, he can hit from anywhere. He can put away Bix with three people up. He's The guy's a handful when he's playing well, and he played well that entire tournament like I hadn't seen him play during the year. Um, I saw him play like that last year a lot. But during the year, he didn't play quite like he did in the tournament. He really rose to the occasion. Um, so we had our hands full. We were down, as Dave was saying, we were down 23-20 after missing that, that call uh, in the second game. And uh, somehow, we started coming back. I think San Diego uh, did get a little tired. I think fatigue played a factor uh, for sure. They started missing serves. And um, that's kind of the unfortunate thing about going back to back to back when you're one of those lower seeds. But uh, our guys also stepped up and we 
we blocked some balls. We started serving a little bit tougher and um, it was, you know, really tight match for a long time. Yeah. Well, that's right. That is a 27, 25 uh, set at the second. So you guys gutted it out. And I think that took the gas out of the Tritons, but it was a great run for UCSD because the people were talking after that, that semifinal match and, if, you know, being in the final with them, you're probably like, oh gosh, you got to prepare differently now. Yeah, San Diego is going to be a team to be reckoned with. They have the scholarship money now. They have a great coach who prepares, and, and they, uh, they're going to be a handful for everyone. They're going to be right up there. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and shift gears because Sunday was Selection Sunday for the NCAA Men's Volleyball Tournament. And unfortunately, everyone on the screen except for myself and someone wearing green is not going to be in there. <laughs> But I wanted to get um, your guys. Actually, no. Let's let's comment. Other coaches on the Big West tournament. I want to definitely get your guys' take. Anything to add uh, before we go to the NCAA tournament? Every time I watch Ryan Call, I think about I didn't get him at Lewis because we recruited him, and so I just <laughs> just my side note in my head. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't know. Lots of I I think Santa Barbara's awesome to watch. I've always had we've had some great battles in the past, and he. Rick's got a great older group that's really talented uh, in terms of that. And so, uh, and I thought they gutted it out as seniors do and found a way to win uh, when your back's against the wall. And I watched game two, it was, I don't know, 4 a.m. here or whatever it was, or 3 a.m., something like that. So, uh, but it was a great game. And then um, I did fall asleep, Rick, in third after you, I kind of knew you were going to win it then. And so I, th I thought it was okay. But, uh, but, and then hat off to Kevin Ring. Um, I agree with uh, Rick. Like I watched Kyle throughout the year a lot. And I just thought he was like, man, where was the guy from last year? He's still talented. Uh, and you saw the bright lights with Kyle. Kyle was carrying a lot of weight uh, and doing a lot of good things. And their middles are really talented. But when you started to watch the Big West tournament, Kyle McCauley found that level that we saw all year last year. We played them last, last year and kid is super talented. Uh, but I think that was a, a catalyst to the push in terms of those two guys really being able to do a lot. Uh, and pushing them to into that final. So, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think Kaw was the was the was the pleasant surprise out of all this. A kid that a lot of coaches around the country were recruiting, but I don't think ever would pan out this quickly. And uh, I mean, the kid's what six four maybe, and just wiry with long levers, uh, and has these angles that you don't see a lot in your gym. You know, a lot of guys are the the fan of what they hit in is is somewhat pretty small, but this kid had you know, deadline and dead four to four at any given moment, no matter what the set was. And that's, that's the scary part is when, when you start to figure out how you can hit with that kind of range and that kind of heat at any given moment, you know, that's, that's a testament to your footwork and a testament to the coaches that taught you how to do that. So uh, hats off to San Diego. We all know Kevin pretty well. And that guy's been at, at the bottom of that conference and not only the big West, but of the MPSF for a long time. Uh, and, and Kevin never holds his head down. He never says, woe is me. He never goes, oh, it sucks. And this is awful. That guy's been there forever. And now for him to finally get a chance to run in the, in the court, you know, the thoroughbred races with thoroughbred horses, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that team in the next few years. That's for sure. Yeah. I just want to add that, uh, you know, Travis Turner will take credit for Colin Collins. So just you know, throw that out there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> anything else to add? Oh. Yeah, you know what? I'll add a little bit. I, every time, I kept hoping this would happen right after the second set. All right, Rick's team is going to pull away. You know, they'd skid up by a few, and then here comes San Diego. And it, regardless of how tired those guys were, 
you know, and maybe that's a testament to the culture and everything Kevin's doing, but I mean, and it wasn't that Rick's team gave them points. All of a sudden they were diving in, popping one up, turning it. Like you said, the outside hitter bangs one off the block. They're opposite. All of a sudden just bombing the ball. I mean, just, yeah, just playing high level volleyball. So it was, it was fun to watch for sure. Right. Well, let's now shift over to the NCAA tournament, uh, I guess, selections here. Um, you're coming in, uh, Belmont Abbey, the uh, number seven seed at number six, uh, Penn State, five, Pepperdine, four, Lewis, three, Santa Barbara, two, BYU, one, Hawaii. As coaches, uh, what are your thoughts on the selection committee's seedings and, and their selection? Uh, we'll start with uh, you, Rick. I think we were four and Dan was three. Dan Dan usually corrects me, but I'm glad that you did this time. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I thought they did a good job with it. Um, Yeah, I I didn't see any any fault in it. I think Hawaii deserved it. They only lost once and were undefeated all the way up till that last match. Um, I think BYU is a really good team. Um, It's really hard to say who's better between those two. but I, I think they got it right. Uh, I think Dan deserves a three seed and, uh, and then us four and, and the at-larges and, and so forth. I, I thought they did a good job. I don't know how they figured it all out, but I think they did a good job. Right, right. Uh, well, you know, from what I understand, you know, with limited data this year, and we talked about this with Pav earlier about the, the RPI was not exactly the most accurate. There's no cross-conference play. Then you had COVID cancellations. So, I mean, they're, li- they're trying to operate on such a minimal data set. So, but with that, I wanted to see what, what you other coaches had to say. There, uh, we'll go. Yeah. Dan. Dan. Oh. All right. Go ahead, uh, Dan. Yeah, I think certainly Hawaii deserved to be one. Um, you know, BYU too. I think BYU's schedule is a little tougher than ours. So I don't know that I have much to, to argue with that. You know what I mean? In terms of that, I think, you know, teams like, you know, we are a couple losses were Ohio State and McKendree. And if McKinney beats Loyal and we play him in the final, does that help us? I don't know. Uh, Ohio State kind of losing at the end of the year. I don't know. So that didn't help us in terms of those losses. So uh, I think, you know, the committee with us kind of put us where they thought we belonged the best. And then I think the hardest part was trying to figure out between UCLA and Pep. Uh, and I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I thought both teams were well-deserving. And uh, Dave got the nod because, you know, maybe they put themselves in the final and beat UCLA there. And, when you don't have a lot of data and you can only go by head to head at the end, it certainly makes sense uh, in terms of that, that decision. Um, and then, you know, Belmont Abbey and Penn state being where they're at, I think, you know, ultimately Penn state's got a pretty good resume, but again, at the same time, you try to look at strength of schedule and it's just tough to do in terms of that. So I thought they did a good job. And I think the good thing was you had a couple coaches in there trying to help direct some, some data points for them. And, you know, I haven't had the privy of having those conversations. Those guys can't really talk about that. And when you look at it from the outside in, and I'm like, uh, I think they did a pretty good job of trying to figure it out with the data points that they had in terms of that. So uh, just a compliment to that group. Lenny's running that group. And, you know, Dave, the 80 from Hawaii is on there. And uh, you got Ryan Boer, John Costi, uh, and our commissioner, Tim O'Brien. And um, so, yeah, I thought they did a good job. Anyone else will go, Jay? Yeah, I, I think the right teams are in the tournament. The only change that I would see is is Pepperdine and Penn State. Uh, I don't, and no, no disrespect to Dave. Obviously, I know he he's a good coach, and he obviously knows how to, you know, play the game at a high level. His team does. So I, I by no means do I think that 
that they don't deserve to be in the tournament. I just think that Penn State had a little bit of a, a better run. Uh, I know that, that Pepperdine played BYU 78 times. It's kind of tough to, to when you're playing a, one of the top teams in the country over and over again. But, you know, regardless of that, here's where I think the real concern for me is, you know, the women's tournament complained about a few things and, and, and they got some things changed in the future. I'm going to complain here about playing possibly four matches in six days for the six and seven teams to get in. It's an absolute disrespect. We have a week off right now. We could be having the playing match this week. We could be having the quarterfinal match next weekend. And we could be having fresh teams come into the final four and be able to showcase good volleyball. Right now, you've got the best teams in the country going in, but even the best teams are possibly going to play three matches in five days. And if, if you want the to showcase the, the quality of men's volleyball, this is not the right way to go about doing it. Um, and so I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that, that it panned out like this. But you know what? Nobody cares. You know, there's there's 900 million people in China that couldn't care less about what we do. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just the way that it is. And you know what? Penn State's going to get after it with Belmont Abbey on Monday night, and then the winner of that's going to go on Tuesday, and the winner of those is going to go on Thursday, and the winner of those is going to go on Saturday. And we're all going to be watching, and we're all going to be wear, you know, wearing our team jerseys of the guys that we're following. We're all going to be having you know, beverages of choice, and we're going to enjoy the hell out of it, and we're going to love it. So that's what I'm going to say. All right, David. David or Rick, feel free to chime in. I'm confused. Was that a rant, or are you happy? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the only thing from my standpoint was uh, I freaked out a little bit. Obviously, when the uh, the show came out, you know, that's the other thing. It's not a live show, right? It's pre-recorded. So I'm trying to scrub through. I'm not going to sit through 16 minutes. I'm going to find out, you know, is our name in there or not. But I'm looking down at the bottom left thinking, all right, we're in that playing match. I didn't see our name and my heart dropped. And then luckily we were on there somewhere else. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Again, with no with no cross-conference play. I mean, I thought at least there was a way to follow the logic and to understand what, what they were thinking. And I think that's all we were asking for. So. Yeah, agreed. What was, what was your record with UCLA? Us? Yeah. Yeah, we were two and one against them. See, I think that's the biggest thing is when, when all this other stuff is kind of confused because of COVID, head to head is the one thing that you got to go off of. And I'm glad the committee did that. I think that's huge. I, I think that's when there is cross conference play. I, I I would hope that you know down the road, if us and Lewis are in contention for an at large, and if we've played, hopefully they look at that right. Who just who won that matchup? I think that's you have a direct sampling when you do that. So yeah, um, yeah. I agree. I, I think that's gotta even though there's nine criteria, they're not all weighted equally, right? It's just here's the things that are looked at. One of them can have you know eighty percent of the weight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Rick. Well, one of the one of the criteria, if I'm not mistaken, is the health and availability of your players. Yep. Correct. Yep. yep. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that that UCLA would have gotten the nod over Pepperdine if the five players that were not eligible to play that last week were maybe not able to go next week. I, I don't know. I, I'm just asking. I'm just posing out there. Again, Dave's team is deserving to be there. So please don't take this as me saying, whoa, what's going on here? I'm just saying that's one of the criteria. And if yep. he's, and he's right. If they're putting weight 
on some of those over others. Luckily, that one is probably one of the least amount that they're looking at, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, yeah, the, I like, go ahead, Rick. The, the other thing that they are supposed to put weight on is your record against teams in the tournament. And I don't know how they would have done that when we could only play conference. Dave played BYU how many times? Five. Yeah. I had to play Hawaii three times just to get matches. So it was kind of kind of thrown out of whack. I don't think they could use that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one. Yeah. I do. I, I want to go back to Jay's comment and I think Jay's he brings comment? up some valid points and playing five matches or whatever it is, or three matches in five days. And you've seen it the past couple of years where these Tuesday matches, we talked about Stanford back in 14 where they had to play the conference tournament and then they came and they played Tuesday, Thursday, and certainly Loyola was talented, but they were just gassed by the time they got to Saturday in that match. And I don't know. I, that's, Maybe with the new conference, it forces them uh, to make a move eventually that if that they're getting an at-large or we have to go to eight teams and it has to separate this into two weekends. It's the one benefit outside of adding new volleyball, at least to the tournament, that maybe that can come from that uh, in terms of uh, making another spot available and making a little bit better play. Because I think that Jay brings that up. I think you're going to get to Saturday uh, and if a team just, you know, whatever team Tuesday wins gets to Thursday and makes an upset, that team could end up just gassing out. So the quality and the product that's shown on ESPN, because that's the only one shown on ESPN, uh, then goes down, unfortunately. Uh, and it's a byproduct of the tournament in terms of that. Yeah. You know, uh, Rick, I wanted to ask you this question because, you know, last uh, the COVID season, 2020, uh, your Gaucho team was on an amazing roll. They were one of the hottest teams in the nation. And then COVID shut it down. And, I'm sure that at one point national championship was in the discussion. It always is in your program, but when you have to end a season with, I think it's one or two losses and the possibility of a national championship, do your guys come out even hungrier this year now that the tournament started? I think so. Um, and, and I think they're going to get even more hungry. Um, I, I think that's a lot of the reason we were able to come back from being down one game to none. Uh, these guys decided so early on, you know, maybe even at the end of March that they wanted to come back and finish what, what they started. Uh, so they've been working towards that for a long time. And it, it's just great that they get a chance to do it. We were really worried for a while that, that this wasn't even going to be happening. Yeah. Well, it's ironic. I didn't plan on, I didn't know what the matchups are going to be. And so I feel awkward asking David a question since you guys are going to probably end up facing each other. So I I'll reserve that for the next show. What? No way. Fire it out there, buddy. Oh, Come on. Fire, fire away, man. Let's go. Pepperdine's weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> his eight iron. That's his weakness. <laughs> well, we've got an exciting week coming up, and it's official. They're all going to be streamed. I believe the Penn State uh, Belmont Abbey is going to be on Big Ten, hopefully free like they did uh, for um, one of the playoff matches. But uh, the rest way, it's going to be NCA.com in the semis and then ESPNU in the final. So um, And it is free. The match yep. is, is a Big Ten Plus? Is that a Big, Big Ten, Ten Plus? Plus? Yep. Monday and Tuesday, and they said the streams will be free. So it's. Yep. I thought Ohio State was going to do that, and then we found out today for sure. But that's that'll be really good. So, so uh, I know that after the conference tournaments this, this weekend, but – uh, and I'm going to catch you guys off guard, but if you're to pick two top players and it, it could be the tournament MVP, but I just was curious, 
If you were to pick two top players in the tournaments that you're playing in, who would they be? We'll start with you, Rick. Pete Goldier is going to throw you first. <laughs> well, this is an easy one. <laughs> two top players. In the uh, Big West it, tournament. Oh, okay, in the Big West tournament. Macaulay, for sure, was one of them. And then the other one was Ryan Wilcox. All right. That's right. He was the MVP. That's right. How about you, David, for the MPSF tournament? Top two athletes. Uh, yeah, Gabby Garcia Fernandez. One of them. He didn't have a great match against us, but, um, you know, he served, what, eight aces, you know, against Grand Canyon and nine against us or so. I mean, he went on a run. Against one point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he went on a run against Grand Canyon where he had, I think it was four or five aces in a row where nobody in the country could do anything about it, right? He was just picking <laughs> off guys and hitting 77 miles an hour in a seam, and it was stupid. Um, and then, you know, Gardini, Gardini would be the other guy. Um, you know, just, he used to be a uh, sort of a target out there when he was passing. He's cleaned that up. He blocks well, he attacks. He sort I mean, he just, those two guys on the pins are a handful for him. So I'd go with those two guys. Well, Gabby's two or three aces short of breaking Taylor Sanders' BYU record. And, you know, does he uh, play, how, you know, how many more matches is he playing this season? We'll see. Yeah, he, and he only had half a year last year. Mind you, he's not coming back. So he's played three and a half years and he's about to break that record. Yeah, that's, that's that is a great stat right there, Dave. You just pulled. That's the scary thing. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, Dan, two top athletes in the Miva Conference for it. Um, well, Coonan for sure. <laughs> you, know I mean? so, you can't just drop T.J. Murray's name. It's got to be someone. Uh, like <laughs> well, so I I hate I hate naming two of my own guys, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to I'm going to name Coonan, and then I'm going to just name Loyola's comeback against McKendry being down 2-0 and doing the reverse sweep. It was a gutsy performance by their team to find a way to win that match. They were down, what, 22-19 in game three, down 2-0 in the match. They found a way to win that game and then come back and win the match and put that group in the final. So I thought that was pretty gutsy by some young players on that team, uh, led by Garrett Zolig in terms of that. So, And finally, Jay, EIVA tournament top performers. Name them, too. I think the the easy one is Wildman. You'll you'll see him on the national team in a few years without question. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, the two players that stood up for me in that tournament, uh, Cal Fisher, they're 6'3 opposite, 6'2", 6'3 opposite. Uh, reminds me a lot of Aussie Antonetti back in the day. So for all you old guys who remember Aussie, exactly the same type of player, wiry, uh, fast arm, can hit a wide range of shots. But here's here's the the uh, the one that that should get the most notice, and that's Cole Bogner, the setter for Penn State. If he is not on the national team and fighting for a spot in the next few years, uh, I'd be highly surprised. Uh, can run a fast offense from almost anywhere on the court. Uh, super crafty, great leader, uh, and yeah, he's he's the real deal. That kid's real good. Yeah, you know, did Pab text you because he described Fisher exactly? to the team, Ozzy Antonetti is his personally name, which is yeah. ironic. Here's this connection, Ozzy Antonetti, coach of the Puerto Rico national team, will be coaching Gabby Garcia Fernandez of BYU. Look at that. Ah, uh, the circle. <laughs> <laughs> circle of life. Hey, gentlemen, uh, thank you for coming on to this special edition of uh, College Volleyball Weekly on the Viral Volley Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow these teams. There's only uh, next week, the NCAA tournament starting Monday, May 3rd. Uh, and then all through the weekend. So uh, those who are in, good luck. I'm looking forward to watching the matches. Jay, work on that golf swing. 
And uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. And uh, Rick, if you're wanting to come back, you're always welcome to. We'll see after you play Dave, who wants to come on the show. How about that? Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Have a, a good evening. And thank you for uh, coming on. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast podcast. Be sure to follow Rob at Rob on the Mic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or at RobOnTheMic.com. Check you next time.